I'd like to start out in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 24 through 27 this morning. Before I do, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for life and enjoying life together as a community of believers. We open up our hearts to receive the engrafted word. We know it restores our soul. It encourages us and builds us up. And so we thank you for that, and we receive the word that is preached today in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will show you and liken unto him as a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And when the rain came and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Which house do you want to be? We want to be that house that is built upon the rock. We do not want our lives to fall apart. And when we build our lives on the proper foundation of hearing His words and doing His words, then He will then uphold us by the glorious word of His power. Now notice with me in the book of James, and we see something that is similar to what Matthew talks about, about hearing and doing. In James, the first chapter, and in the 22nd verse, it says this, But be ye doers of the word, and what? And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But be ye a doer of the word. Say this with me. I am a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. Therefore, I will not be deceived. Now, I had this thought the other day. And, uh, you know, we often think about the word of God and being a doer of the word of God. But this thought came to me, what doers don't do. What doers of the word don't do. And as you don't do these things, you still are a doer of God's word. So this morning I want to talk to you about doers do not worry. Doers do not carry care. Look at your neighbor and say, no worries here. You know, that's an Aussie term. No worries, mate. No worries, mate. You know, everyone would agree in the body of Christ that worry is not good for you. Everyone would agree that worry is bad. Yet, many still worry. Many worry to the point where it literally makes them sick. Now, we want to look at some timeless truths today from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And how many of you know that as Brenda preached last Sunday, and as Pastor Tom preached on Wednesday night, that the truth sets you free? Thank God for freedom. Now, notice with me in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll read verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. It says this, Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Anybody ever worried about what you're going to wear. Anybody ever worried about what your kids were going to be able to have for Christmas? Anybody ever worried about where you're going to live or what you're going to eat? 
The Bible says that we are to take no thought. Now, that does not mean that we're not to plan. We're not to uh, think about uh, what we're going to do. For example, uh, putting together a grocery, grocery list. That's not taking thought. That's practical common sense. But literally what Jesus is saying is when he said, take no thought, he's saying, take no anxious thought. Take no anxious thought. We do not have to worry. And one of the main reasons why we don't have to worry is we have a father. We have a good, good father. We have a father that takes care of his kids. Now, the more that you are aware of his love for you, the stronger your faith will be. And the stronger your faith will be, the less you will worry. And the less you will worry, the better your life will be. Shout it with me. No worries here. No fear here. Now in 1 John, the fourth chapter, in the 18th verse, it talks about knowing and believing the love that God has to us or the love that God has for us. And so when we receive an understanding of how much He loves us and we develop faith in God or faith in His love, then verse 18 becomes a reality. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist when we have an understanding of the love of the Father for us. For love turns fear out of doors and it expels every trace of terror. Amen. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Every trace of fear, every trace of tear can be expelled when we become fully developed and fully conscious of His great love for us. Amen? Now notice, back to to Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, He then gives us reasons not to worry. In verse 26, He says, Behold or look. Everyone say, look. Look at the fowls of the air. For they don't sow, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father, I love that. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Jesus is saying we are better than birds. And if your heavenly Father takes care of them and feeds them, he will take care of us and he will feed us. As for me and my house and for us in this house, we're going to eat. We're going to eat. We're going to eat the good of the land. Amen. And we're going to eat much better. Notice that because we're much better than them. So if the birds get their allotment, Jesus gives us not only our allotment, but more than enough. Amen. Amen. Say it with me, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat the good of the land. Now notice here in verse 27. He says, which of you by taking thought, again, taking an anxious thought, becoming anxious over the cares of this life, can add one cubit unto his stature. Now this is an interesting word, stature. 
Because if you look in the New Testament, you will see that the word stature speaks of lifespan, but stature sometimes is used in the area of height. And so he says, you cannot add one cubit to your height. You cannot add one day to your life or one extra moment to your life by taking anxious thought. Now, a cubit is about 18 inches. It's a foot and a half. And so we see here, and from some translations, let me just read it to you. It says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What's the answer to that? So we see that we cannot add any time to our life by worrying about it. We can't make ourselves taller, even though some would like to, by worrying about it. None of these will add a single inch or a single moment to your life. Now, I wish we had this translation, but we don't. The TEV says this. Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? If you can't manage such a small thing, why worry about the other things? If you can't manage such a small insignificant thing why spend time worrying about the big things if the if worry will not accomplish a little thing i'll tell you worry will not accomplish something bigger and somebody says well why are we talking about this pastor mark because good people by the billions and the millions good church people are worrying themselves sick all over the world Worrying about your finances will never pay a bill. Worrying about your body will never heal it. Are you listening to me? Worrying about your loved ones being lost. Worrying about a broken relationship will never restore or will never bring them into the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because worry is in fact a manifestation of fear. And the last time I read 1 John 5, 4, it does not say that the spirit of fear is what overcomes the world. You have never heard and you will never hear from me that the spirit of fear is the spirit of victory. But the spirit of faith is the victory. The spirit of faith is the victory that overcometh the world. If you want to do something about your finances, if you want to do something about your body, if you want to do something about your loved ones, stop the worry and get in faith. You see, friends, what fear does is fear makes mountains out of molehills. But oh, thank God, faith moves mountains. And you have the measure of mountain-moving faith on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. I have the measure of mountain-moving faith on the inside of me. Now, before your mountains move, you got to move your mouth. What do you mean? Mark eleven twenty-three. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. You see, the mountains have been talking to you. It's high time you start talking to the mountain. 
Stop talking about the mountain. Stop talking about how big the dead is. Stop talking about how big the disease is. And start talking about how big your good God is. Amen. Start talking about your heavenly father. He's a good, good father. Amen. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I'm looking at a congregation today of whosoever's that can have whatsoever they say. So if you want to move your mountains, start moving your mouths. Amen. Amen. Did you get it? Now look at verse 28. Again, why take you thought for raiment or for clothing? Why take you anxious thought? Consider. Notice with me, he said, behold the fowls of the air. And then he said, consider the lilies of the field. I think some days we just need to go bird watching. Someday we just need to walk out in the field and just consider that God is clothing the grass of the field, not only in California, not only in Oregon, not only in Washington, but he's clothing the grass of the field worldwide. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Let me ask you a question. Has he clothed you up to this point? I don't see any naked people here, thank God. We've all got clothes, amen? amen? How many of you got a closet full of clothes? Amen. You know what that is? That's God being good to you. Amen. I just got this word from the Lord. Some of you need to clean your closets out. Amen. Just kidding. Oh, thank God. He clothes the grass of the field. He's going to clothe me. He's going to clothe us. I believe that it's the will of God for us to wear the best of the land. Don't you? You'd be willing and obedient. You're going to eat the good of the land. Let's read verse 30 again. Let's just let this soak a moment. Ready? Read. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Amen. So if he clothes the grass of the field, he'll clothe you. Now notice with me in verse 31. This is a big key scripture here. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying. Therefore, don't take any anxious thought by saying what those thoughts that come to your mind are. Take no thought, saying, what am I going to eat? What are we going to do? How are we going to pay our bills? What's going to happen to my physical body? What's going to happen to my children? Those are death-destroying thoughts. Those are thoughts that should not be taken. Those are thoughts that should not be entertained. He said now, therefore, take no anxious thought saying. 
What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Wherewithal shall I be closed? Look at your neighbor and say it real strong. I'm not going to take it. You need to do a little bit better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to take it. And then as a church, let's say it this way. We're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. We're going to send it right back where it came from. We're going to tell those thoughts to go back to hell from where they originated. Amen. What do we do with those thoughts? Well, I'm glad you asked. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and notice with me in verse 5, instead of entertaining those thoughts, instead of speaking those thoughts, instead of thinking those thoughts all day long and losing our peace and losing our joy, we have the golden opportunity to cast down those thoughts, to slap those thoughts down casting down imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Those lies coming to your soul are designed to bring you down. They're high things from the prince of the power of the air. We have the ability, we have the authority to cast them down, to cast them out and to send them on their way. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, like what the NIV says this. It says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God or the word of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, we crush, we vanquish, we destroy. We demolish arguments and every lie that sets itself up against the word of God. Anything, folks, that is not from God, crush it, vanquish it, demolish it, obliterate it. Crush anything and everything contrary to God's word in your life. Amen. And in order to do that, you've got to know the truth. Because the enemy is a deceiver. He'll come along and bring lies to our mind. If we don't know the word and what the word says, we can buy into his lies. So the number one way, way that we identify the lies of the enemy is we come fully persuaded with the truth. We spend time in the truth. We let the truth dwell on us richly. We abide in his word. We abide in him. And that truth becomes so real to us that anything and everything that's contrary to the word of God, we understand that's a foreign thought. That doesn't belong in my mind. That is not worthy of my thought life. Therefore, I reject it. Therefore, I replace it with the good word of God. Amen? So identify the lie, resist the lie, and then replace the lie with the truth. Say that with me. Identify the lie, resist the lie, and then replace it with the truth of God's Word. 
Now, a big part, how many of you know we are in spiritual warfare in our life? There's demonic forces everywhere. There's fear everywhere. This old world is full of the devil. Thank God we're not of this world. Thank God greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Thank God we're not of this world even though we're living in this world. We are not helpless pawns just because we live in this world. God has placed his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Say it with me, greater is he he that is in me me than he that is in the world. So one of the biggest parts of spiritual warfare is in knowing what thoughts to receive, right? And then what thoughts to resist. Now, one way to replace worry is by changing our focus, changing what we're looking at. In other words, replace worry by looking at the right thing. Jesus said, look at the birds. He said, consider the lilies. We could say it like this, change the channel. Now we live in an age of, I don't know how many channels you can get on the disc. 290. Joe knew. And sometimes, you know, you might channel surf and you see something on there. He said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to, you know, violence and different things like that. What do you do? Do you sit there and just watch it? No, you change the channel. Because what's on that channel is not producing any benefit to your spiritual life. And so you take that remote, thank God, and you change the channel. And you put it on TBN. You change the channel and you put it on Daystar. Or change the channel and put it on Andy Griffith. I woke up kind of early this morning and I turned the television on and I was watching tennis for a few moments with the Wimbledon championships on this morning. And then I noticed this one channel, Channel 25, used to be a Christian station. And I turned over to Channel 25 and the adventures of Superman were on. (laughs) Superman's a good thing to watch. The word is better to watch. But you understand what I'm saying. So the enemy brings these thoughts brings these visions of defeat and failure and brings these imaginations of us dying young, brings these images of not being able to pay our bills, bring these images of our kids going to hell. We should not for one moment take a look at that. We should change the channel. We should flip the channel. We should change what we're thinking on to what God's word says concerning our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. The truth is, we don't have to think on negative things just because they come to our mind. Choose to look at something else. Amen? Amen? Think about this. None of us will ever get the answers that we need by looking at the problem. Nobody will ever get the provision by looking at the lack. Nobody will ever get the healing by looking at the symptoms. Thoughts will come. 
Jesus said, don't take them. God's word contains God's thoughts. Say that with me. God's word contains God's thoughts. Now say this. God's word is God speaking to me. So if you want to get filled with his thoughts, get filled with his word. Now there's two mindsets that we can live with in our lives. There's two ways of thinking. One is the mindset of the flesh, and the other one is the mindset of the spirit. Look at Romans, the eighth chapter, and notice with me in verse, uh, I believe it's verse six. Romans 8, verse 6. It says this, For to be carnally minded, what does that produce? For to be carnally minded produces death. In other words, the mindset of the flesh, the mindset that anxiety brings, always produces death. But, this is you and me. I thought I'd get an amen there. I said, but, this is you and me. But, to be spiritually minded, what does that produce? A carnal mind produces death. A spiritual minded produces life. Does it matter what we think on? It matters mucho, mucho, mucho. As a matter of fact, it matters so much that it is a matter of life and death. In the book of Proverbs, in 23 verse 7, just keep that verse up there, he says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, what? For as a man thinketh in his heart. Whatever you think upon, whatever you look at, will become a part of your life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, thank God, God's words are life and light. Amen? Amen. Now notice with me, in Psalm 23, here's one thought from heaven that'll change your life. When lack presents it to to yourself, Psalm 23, 1 is a surefire scripture for you. Amen? Amen? You'll never have enough. You'll never be enough. You'll never be able to do enough. You'll never have enough strength. You'll never have enough light. You'll never have enough peace. Well, thank God. Say it with me. The Lord. Notice with me. He didn't say the Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of want. He said the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want for finances. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for strength. For the Lord is the strength of my life. I shall not want for joy. For the joy. Come on somebody. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. I shall not want for wisdom. Why? Because the Lord is my wisdom. Hallelujah. I shall not want for mercy. Because the Lord is merciful and gracious unto me. In every area of your life, you can boldly declare that He is Jehovah Racha. He is your shepherd, and you shall not want. 
Woo, hallelujah, that's shouting ground right there. There is no lack of peace in my life. Why? Because the Lord is the Prince of Peace. You like that? No lack of peace. Matter of fact, say this with me today. I'm full of peace. I'm full of joy. I'm full of wisdom. I'm full of strength. I'm full of grace. Ha, ha, ha. Just laugh at the devil a minute. Ha, 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 ha. He's under our feet. Glory to God. He is my shepherd. Oh, man, you could preach a month just on that one verse. He is my shepherd. Not going to be. Thank God. When you got born again, he became your good shepherd. He is the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. He is watching over you. He knows your number. He's got all the hairs on your head numbered. He's your shepherd. And he's good and he's God. And he will always cause you to triumph. Oh, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Well, I've done it again. I've preached myself happy. Hallelujah. The Lord is your shepherd. Those thoughts come to your mind. You can't think of any other scripture. You do not have to be a scriptorian to resist the devil. You can resist the devil on the begats and he'll flee from you. I mean, just know this one verse. When thoughts come into your mind, just to say over and over again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is good to me. He's my good shepherd. He's for me. He's on my side. He's going before me. Hallelujah. He is my shepherd. Amen. Amen. And then turn over to Isaiah 23, if you would. 26, verse 3. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's praise Him a little bit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God, Raul. Woo! Hallelujah. Notice this. Isaiah 26, 3. I will keep him in perfect peace who has a carnal mind. No. No. This word peace there is shalom. And the word perfect is shalom. So God wanted to make sure we got it. He said, I'm going to keep those who trust in me in shalom, shalom. Perfect well-being, total prosperity, complete peace. I will keep him in perfect peace. That's his will for our lives. I want you to get that. That's his will for your life. Perfect peace is his will for your life. He doesn't want us carrying the burdens of this life. He doesn't want us being overloaded with the cares of this nation. He doesn't want us to be burdened down with the cares of our family. Come on, somebody. He wants us to live light. He wants us to live easy. Oh, surely, surely we care for people. We care for our nation. But we must absolutely refuse to take the care of it. There's a difference between caring for a person and taking the care of it. When you care for a person, you're there to minister love to them. When you care for a person, you're there to minister life to them and to be an encouragement to them and to lock your shield of faith with them. That's caring for people. But taking the care of it 
is allowing the weight of it, the anxiety of it, to load us down to the degree where we're not able to be a blessing to people. We're not able to speak encouragement to people because we're so full of the care of what they're going through. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you know it's important for all of us to cast our care on the Lord? That's what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Casting all of your care, all of your concerns, all of your worries, once and for all upon Him, because He cares for us. Well, Pastor Mark, what am I going to do if I'm not going to worry? That's a good question. You know what the answer is? Worry is meditating on the lies of the devil. Just flip that around and start thinking the thoughts of God and meditating on the Word of God and the worry will be removed and the peace of God will come on the scene. Amen. Philippians 4, 7 says, Be careful for nothing. Now what does that mean? Don't worry about anything. Don't have anxiety about anything. Well, Pastor Mark, what am I going to do? If I'm not going to worry about it. Something needs to be done about these finances. Something needs to be done about this physical situation. What good is that going to do you? All it's going to do is get you angry. Get you upset. And cause you to be a bummer to everyone in life. Walking around with an old long sad face. You'll never find in the Word of God that He has made us sad. But you will find in the Word of God that He has made us glad. So if we're not going to worry about it, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to switch channels is what we're going to do. I said we're going to switch channels. We're going to stop looking at that and start looking unto Him. Who is the author and the finish of our faith. And I'll tell you what else we're going to do. We're going to pray. I said, we're going to pray. Because what does prayer do? Thank you. Prayer changes things. And prayer paves the way from what the enemy has brought to your mind and told you is impossible. Prayer paves the way for the impossible to become possible. Hallelujah. All things are possible to him that believeth. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it can be done. The body can change. The finances can come. Shadow with me, it can be done. You can pray. You can pray in the Spirit. You can keep your spirit man built up by living in an atmosphere of worship and praise. An atmosphere of worship and praise is much better than an atmosphere of moaning and groaning and complaining. If you complain, you will remain. But if you praise, you will be raised. And I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon me. In Philippians, he said, be careful for nothing. That's where we were. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Anything means anything. When he says to be careful for nothing, that means don't worry about anything. I said, don't worry about anything. I absolutely refuse to worry about anything. Now notice this, the rest of the verse, Philippians 4, 6, but in everything. But in everything. In all situations. 
in all circumstances. Say it with me. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you're not going to worry, pray. And in the next verse, it says this, and the peace of God. And the peace of God. Hallelujah. What are we talking about? We're talking about taking no anxious thought. We're talking about looking at the lilies and beholding the fowls of the air. We're talking about considering not our body, considering not our dead, but considering Jesus, the author and the high priest of our confession. That's what we're talking about. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. What's it going to do? It's going to keep your hearts and minds We do not have to lose our minds. We do not have to go crazy. We do not have to be the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Amen. We have peace. And when you have peace, you can get in faith. And when you can get in faith, you can move mountains. And when you can move mountains, hallelujah, there'll be nothing restrained from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. We're probably going to talk about this next week. Did you get anything out of this today? Say with me, I cast all my care upon you. For you, dear Lord, you love me and you care for me. Forgive me, Father, for allowing my mind to think on thoughts contrary to your word. In the name of Jesus, I receive my forgiveness. And from this day forward, I'm going to get serious about looking at the right thing. About thinking the right thoughts. I declare that I am carefree. You told me, do not fret. Therefore, I fret not. I'm no longer anxious. But I receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. So what's our confession? What's our confession? Our confession is, I don't have a care. Our confession is, I'm carefree. I'm fear-free and I'm faith-filled. I'm full of the peace of God. And God's working on things. He's going before me. It's a whole lot better for you to go through the valley of the shadow of death carefree than to go through the valley of the shadow of death full of care. Just because you're carefree doesn't mean the tests are going to stop. Just because we're carefree doesn't mean that... uh, you know, the trials aren't going to come. They're going to come. But I'd a whole lot rather face those tests and that adversity with the peace of God and being carefree than facing with my knees knocking all fear, full of fear. Amen. Say it, man, I'm full of faith. No fear here. Hallelujah. Just let this saturate in you.
Take these scriptures and meditate on them. Meditate on them. Identify the lies. Resist the lies. And replace the lies with the truth. And then start telling yourself the truth. The enemy's a liar. He'll tell all of us that we're no good. I'll guarantee you this afternoon, he'll try to work on me. You're not anointed. You can't preach. What in the world are you doing? That was no good. I'll just tell the devil, that's a lie. From the pit of hell. It's not the fact that I'm good. The fact is, he's good. I said, he's good. He's good all the time. And the sheep are getting fed. The sheep are getting nourished. The sheep are growing and they're getting stronger and stronger day by day. Amen. No, no. God don't make no junk. He tell you you're not good. You're not more. You, you don't have enough. You'll never add up. No, thank God. Jesus is more than enough. And you're in him and he's in you. And you're his workmanship. And you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Get your mind renewed on what God said about you. And it will change your life forever. Listen, if you can change your thinking, you can change your life.